Welcome to Spotlight On, a series here at That's So Chronic, where we get to chat a little bit deeper about something that's in our That's So Chronic world. I'm Jess Bryan, and today I'm taking you through an explainer episode all about Beijing 2022 Winter Paralympic Games, so that you can get excited and you won't miss a thing. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Now they're away. Bursting it across the line. Unfortunately, I did not get a media pass for Beijing 2022. Uh, Not that I tried, but (laughs) hopefully next time. So I'm tuning in from the Vaxochronic HQ, aka my little office here in Christchurch, New Zealand. But I do have a fast internet connection and I have been keeping my finger on the pulse to bring you some fun little facts, a bit of a history lesson, some drama that is quite close to my heart, where you can watch New Zealand competing and what I'm personally super excited for these games. Before I begin, I just want to say a huge thank you for listening during the Summer Paralympic Games. It was actually really overwhelming, the support for the That's So Chronic Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games coverage. Coverage? Like I'm a and legit reporter or something. But I did I did get a lot of messages from listeners who enjoyed. I had some amazing support from Paralympics NZ, which was really cool. And I even heard that there were some people in Tokyo for the games that had listened. So for little old Jess Bryan sitting in lockdown in New Zealand, that was quite the experience and it was really special. So I just want to say thank you. And I thought, why not bring it back for the Winter Paralympics? Or, as Canadians call it, probably just the Paralympics. (laughs) Actually, this is my first fun fact for the episode. You know how in New Zealand and Australia, we call the Summer Olympics and Paralympics just the Olympics or the Paralympics. And when it's winter, we feel the need to clarify that it's the Winter Games. Well, with a lot of my Canadian friends, they are the opposite. Anyway, interested to know where you stand on that? Come over to Instagram at That's So Chronic and let me know. Anyway, it would not be a deep dive into the Winter Paralympic Games without some Paralympics history. So let's rewind back to 1976. <laughs> We are in Ernholtsvik in Sweden, which just so happens to be where some of my partner Jonas's family is from and currently lives in. So you bet that I've been practicing how to pronounce that name and getting a lot of tips, read, critique from him on my pronunciation and lack of being able to roll my R's. But it was here that the first ever Winter Paralympic Games were held. The origins are really similar to what I chatted about in the Summer Paralympics 101 Spotlight On episode. If you missed it, Dr. Ludwig Gutmann from the Stoke Mandeville Hospital used recreational and eventually competitive sport as a way of rehab to help soldiers heal when they returned from World War II. The Stoke Mandeville Games then became the official International Paralympic Games in 1960. Then, 16 years later, 
the Winter Paralympic Games. Back then it was called the first Winter Olympic Games for the Disabled, which doesn't have quite the same ring to it, in my opinion. During these first games, New Zealand was not present. However, there were 16 other countries taking part with 196 athletes. There were two main events at these games, Alpine, which is downhill, and Nordic, meaning cross-country, skiing for amputees and for visually impaired athletes. And there was also ice sledge racing included that year that was used more of a demonstration event I think. West Germany took out the most medals that year with Switzerland and Finland not far behind and of course Sweden. Maybe Jonas would kill me if I didn't shout out that Sweden also did pretty good. They were like top five. The events at the first Winter Paralympic Games were made possible due to an Austrian skier named Sepp Svignagel. I'm really getting a crash course in European names in this episode. Apologies if I'm absolutely butchering the pronunciation of these names. Now, Sepp was an Austrian skier, a double-leg amputee, who pioneered snow sports for disabled athletes. He began experimenting with using prosthetics to ski with, and because of him, people with disabilities began to participate in winter sports. There were other innovations as well in ski equipment design such as three track skiing using crutches. In 1948 there was the first course in three track skiing held in Austria with 17 participants participating from all over the country. But like a lot of things advances were really quite slow and it wasn't until 1974 So remember, this first track happened in 1948, and it wasn't until 1974 when the first official world ski competition was held, and then the Paralympics two years later in 1976. Then if we fast forward to 1980 in Norway, New Zealand joined the Winter Paralympic Games. And get this, by the 1984 Winter Paralympic Games in Innsbruck, Austria, the New Zealand Paralympic team was winning New Zealand's first ever skiing medals. We won one gold, three silver and one bronze. Now for context, a Winter Olympic medal would not be won until 1992 and a gold medal in 2022. Amazing. For the following Winter Paralympics, New Zealand continued to be amazing and I'm sure that 2022 will be no different. This year, we have three athletes representing New Zealand. They are Adam Hall, Corey Peters and Aaron Ewan, who will be competing in para-alpine skiing. There are 10 classifications in the Winter Paralympics. Classifications being the way that they are able to define who is eligible to compete in various different para sports and also to group their para athletes into sport classes based on how much their impairment affects their abilities to compete in the specific sport. When we're talking about the classifications, it would appear as though the International Paralympic Committee or the IPC they, I think they might have previously said that there were six categories because that was coming up quite a lot when I was searching online. However, from my readings and I mean like my 
deep, deep dives into the official PDFs and handbooks or whatever I could get my hands on from the IPC. I believe that uh, the eligible classifications are actually the same as the Summer Paralympics, which if you need a refresher from that episode, here's a little refresher on that. The 10 eligible classifications for the Winter Paralympic Games are impaired muscle power. That could be health conditions that either reduces or eliminates the athlete's ability to voluntarily contract their muscles in order to move or generate force. That could be like spinal cord injuries, muscular dystrophy, post-polio syndrome, and spina bifida, for example. The next is impaired passive range of movement, a restriction or a lack of passive movement in one or more joints. That could be that there was an underlying health condition or perhaps uh, trauma affecting a particular joint. Limb deficiency, total or partial absence of bones or joints as a consequence of trauma, illness or congenital limb deficiency. There's also leg length difference which could be as a result of a disturbance of limb growth or as a result of trauma. Short stature, a reduced length in the bones of the upper limbs, lower limbs and or trunk. Hypotonia, Athletes with hypotonia have an increase in muscle tension and a reduced ability of a muscle to stretch caused by damage to the central nervous system. Examples of health conditions that may lead to hypotonia could be cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury or stroke. There's also ataxia. Ataxia is uncoordinated movements caused by damage to the central nervous system. This could include conditions like cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke or something that I know all too well, multiple sclerosis. Athetosis. Athletes with athetosis have continual slow involuntary movement. Again, cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke, vision impairment. So this could be reduced or no vision caused by damage to the eye structure, optical nerves, or the optical pathways. And number 10 is intellectual impairment, a restriction in intellectual functioning and adaptive behavior that affects conceptual, social, and practical adaptive skills required for everyday life. This impairment must be present before the age of 18 to be eligible to compete. And that's a lot. That's a lot of information. But what you need to know is that not all sports that are featured at the Winter Paralympics will have an event running for every classification. That's when we get into this term sport classes and I won't read out every sport class for every sport that's at the Paralympics but just know that a sport class essentially groups athletes with similar activity limitation together so that they can compete against one another for the competition but that means that not every sport class will consist of people with the same eligible impairment like for example you might find an athlete with some loss of muscle power in one arm and another athlete with amputation below the elbow they are still competing in the same sport class in Nordic skiing because they're different types of impairment have a really similar effect on their ability to race. Hopefully that all makes sense. Some parasports only have one sport class, such as wheelchair curling and para ice hockey. Oh my god, which reminds me, I haven't even told you what sports we have this year in the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games. How rude of me. This year we have six different sports and this is when it gets really exciting. I just, I've loved researching and finding out more about all of these sports. So I'll run through them. 
first alpine skiing. I am so unbelievably excited for this event, even though I gave up skiing when I was 13 years old, when I was finally able to try snowboarding, and I honestly never looked back. The skis went in the bin. But... This is where we're going to see New Zealand shine, and it is a jam-packed sport. So this information is a direct quote from Paralympics NZ's explainer because they describe it better than I probably can. It features five disciplines, downhill, slalom, giant slalom, super G, and super combined. Downhill and super G are speed disciplines, while slalom and giant slalom are technical disciplines. Para-athletes combine speed and agility while racing down the slopes, and they can reach speeds of 100 k's an hour. 100. That's how fast your car goes on the motorway. If you're listening in Auckland, you know. Sometimes it's 80 k's. But 100 k's on the open road. That's how fast these skiers with their physical human bodies are going down a mountain. Isn't that just wild? Skiers with visual impairment are guided through the course by sighted guides using voice signals to indicate the course to follow, which I'm really excited to see that because I loved seeing um, how the visually impaired athletes competed in the track racing in the Summer Paralympics as well. And athletes with physical disabilities use equipment that is adapted to their needs which might be single skis, sit skis, or orthopedic aids. Then we have the biathlon event. This combines two disciplines, cross-country skiing and shooting. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know too much about this sport, but I did catch a little bit of it during the Olympics, and I was really intrigued. The event consists of a 2K or a 2.5K cross-country skiing course that is skied three or five times, which means a total race distance of six or 15Ks. Then, between the two stages, para-athletes must shoot and hit two targets located at a distance of 10 metres away. Each miss is penalised by an increase in the overall route time. Paralympics NZ says the most important success factor for this lies in the capability of alternating the skills of physical endurance and shooting accuracy during the competition. And a cool fact that I found out, athletes with a visual impairment are assisted by acoustic signals which depending on the signal intensity indicate when the athlete is on target pretty cool next up cross-country skiing this is all in alphabetical order by the way just to make it nice and easy <laughs> cross-country skiing the name pretty much says it all but the distance ranges from 2k's to 20k's and there is also a team relay event for the cross-country skiing next we've got para ice hockey now I didn't think that I would be all that into this but after researching it more I am so excited this this could be the event that I am the most excited for. This game follows the same rules of the International Ice Hockey Federation, but with modifications. So instead of skates, players use double blade sledges that allows the puck to pass beneath them. Players use two sticks, which uh, one end is a spike end for pushing and the other is a blade end for shooting. I watched a video about it. You really got to see it. Like make sure you tune in to this sport for at least one of the matches because it's going to be thrilling. We then have snowboarding. <sighs> snowboarding, like I mentioned before, 
one of my favorite things to do in the whole entire world. I think it's probably up there with making this podcast. Para-snowboarding features three disciplines. We've got the snowboard cross, banked slalom, and giant slalom. And there are three sport classes as well to make it nice and easy. There is SBLL1 and SBLL2 for lower limb impaired riders and SB. UL for upper limb impaired athletes. I just wanted to add that in there for something that I'm about to chat about in a second. But before we get to that, the final sport featured at the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games is of course wheelchair curling. Wheelchair curling is played in a similar way to able-bodied curling. It's the same rocks, It's the same ice, although the rocks are thrown from a stationary wheelchair and there is no sweeping. Each team must be comprised of male and female players. Love to see it. And side note, it is actually practiced now in 24 countries and is governed by the World Curling Federation. So if you want to give wheelchair curling a go, I suggest you reach out. And actually, if you do want to participate in any sort of para winter sport, or any sort of para sport for that matter if you head to the New Zealand Paralympics website paralympics.org.nz a lot of the information there is how you can uh, sign up and participate or get a little bit more information about because I'm sure that they would love to have you along now I gave you a little teaser when we were talking about the snowboarding but there has been a little bit of drama and I'm talking drama Ma, drama with a capital D this year that I have been following very closely. If you remember that I mentioned that there are three sport classes for the Paris snowboard events, if we zoom in a little bit closer and we look at the lower limb impairments class, SBLL1 and SBLL2. Now, unfortunately for 2022, There weren't enough competitors in the female snowboard LL1 category, so the International Paralympic Committee, they just just wiped the event. They just said, yep, it's not going to happen this year, which left two snowboarders out of the competition. These two athletes are Brenna Huckabee from Team USA and Cecile Hernandez from France. Brenna Huckabee fell in love with sport, finding gymnastics at a young age, and then in 2010, a diagnosis of osteosarcoma came along, resulting in the amputation of her right leg. After a month of surgery, Brenna got her first prosthetic leg and set her eyes on the slopes. Cecile started her sporting career as a BMX rider, And in 2002, she had a relapse of multiple sclerosis that affected her legs. Yes, we can see where the interest from me following this case sort of originated and sparked from. I have been following Cecilia for a little while, actually, and was sort of watching this all play out on her Instagram. But anyway, in 2002, as a result of this MS relapse, she stopped sport and 
pursued a passion for writing. She published some books and also covered the 2012 Summer Paralympic Games in London for a French media publication. She then found competitive snowboarding and both Cecile and Brenna have had amazing success in the sport. So because things like this had happened before and by things like this I mean there not being enough competitors in this very specific sport class so that the event had been canned. Things like that had happened before and Cecilia and Brenna were like, hey, that's cool. How about we just compete with the LL2 athletes, which means that they would be competing against people with more range of movement. This would essentially put Cecile and Brenna at a disadvantage. Competing in LL2 is something that they had done before at other international competitions and they had qualified and had podium finishes proving that they would be okay in this category. They also suggested hey, why don't we just compete in the men's category? And the IPC were also having absolutely none of that. The IPC and the World Para Snowboard uh, Association, they declined. They just straight up said no to all of the above. There, there was just no way that this was going to happen and that they were going to be able to compete in Beijing 2022. There was a little bit of back and forth, I believe. And I say I believe because most of the press surrounding this isn't actually in English. And ma français est très mauvais. It is not good. It is not good. So Google Translate is working overtime right now. So there was a bit of back and forth. They were also supported by a huge number of snowboarders who signed a statement saying that they would be fine with this. They'd be perfectly okay with Cecile and Brenna competing in the LL2. But the IPC were really making things difficult. There was even, I think, a hashtag trending on social media, especially TikTok. Hashtag let Brenna compete. It then escalated to boiling point and Cecilia and Brenna took the International Paralympic Committee to court in Germany. It took a long time but there was some good news. Brenna was officially approved to be able to compete which actually happened before Cecilia and again I can't quite understand why But after 15 days, Cecile was granted permission from the German justice system to compete in Beijing 2022. Andrew Parsons, who you might remember as the president of the International Paralympic Committee, he was... He was not happy. He was not happy. And he released this statement. We are extremely surprised and disappointed at the court's decision, which shows a complete disregard for the rules and regulations of World Paris Snowboard and the Beijing 2022 qualification criteria, and a lack of understanding of the classification system in Paralympic sport. It goes without saying that the IPC is understanding of Brenner's cause. I think that it's just Brenner here because she was approved first. Anyway, it continues. She is a world-class athlete and a Paralympic champion who is desperate to compete and represent her country at the very highest level. But she is not alone in wanting to do this. Across the world, there are thousands of para-athletes who want to compete in the Paralympic Games. However, due to the nature of the event, the pinnacle of para-sport, not every sport class and sport event can be included. As a result, there are always athletes who miss out and are disappointed. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot to say. I... Whew, drama, I told you. Drama with a capital D. 
can you just imagine how uncomfortable and awkward Brenna and Cecile like feel like they're about to go and compete for their countries on a global stage and they've got like the president of the IPC being incredibly grumpy that they're even there like oh it's just I hope they're getting some support that must just be really stressful Anyway, I don't really know how I feel about it all, mainly because one, I'm not a world-class athlete. I don't know whether this happens all the time. I don't know. I, I don't know. And also two, I'm not an expert on classification in para sports. So like, I'm sure that there is some merit to what Andrew Parsons is saying and, and there is some merit to this negativity, but I don't know. But from a personal point of view, something that I can speak to as someone who also lives with MS like Cecile and who also snowboards, I am extremely excited to be able to watch someone like me compete on the world stage. And personally, I wish both Cecile and Brenna all the best. The official motto for Beijing 2022 is Together for a Shared Future, representing the power of the games to overcome global challenges as a community with a shared future for humankind. You might be thinking, but Jess, how do they decide on the slogan? Well, it was selected after a very extensive process from May to September 2020, during which Beijing 2022 collected 79 sets of slogans from esteemed Chinese universities. Of these, 11 slogans were shortlisted by experts from various fields, which then the International Olympic Committee and the International Paralympic Committee provided their opinions on. Just seems like such a big process. The official Beijing 2022 Paralympics website says that the word reflects the necessity for the world to work together towards a better tomorrow, especially given the difficulties faced throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. They also add, and the goal of pursuing world unity, peace and progress, which Feels awfully poignant uh, with what's happening around the world at the moment. There are three countries making their Winter Paralympic debut this year. They are Israel, Azerbaijan and Puerto Rico. We know what the official motto is, but I did a little bit more reading into the official Beijing 2022 emblem. I learned that it has been designed by a Chinese artist, Liz Kunzen, and the emblem combines traditional and modern elements of Chinese culture, illustrating the vigor and passion of the winter sports while incorporating Chinese calligraphy and emphasizing the importance of placing athletes at the center of the games. The emblem also embodies the Paralympic vision of enabling para-athletes to achieve sporting excellence and inspire and excite the world. And I mean it's working because I am very excited. They also add that the emblem seeks to convey a message of strength, passion and dynamism which I don't know about you I did not know that word I did not know what that meant so I looked it up uh, so if you don't know what it is don't worry I got you Google says dynamism is the quality of being characterized by vigorous activity and progress maybe I'm still confused anyway moving on it encourages all athletes to fly high on the wings of their aspirations Alright, so if you are in New Zealand, where can you watch the Paralympic Games? Well, excitingly, for the first time in New Zealand history, we will be able to watch every 
single event. Thanks to TVNZ and Attitude Pictures, the Paralympics are going to be shown free to air on TVNZ Duke, which is 3View13 or Sky Channel 23, or live streamed over on TVNZ On Demand. It will be on our tellies from around 10am to 2am. That's approximately, sometimes things pop up. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, our three athletes, Adam, Corey and Aaron, are all competing in the para-alpine ski events, which are on five of the nine days. And there is a medal up for grabs in each of these five events, so boy oh boy are we in for a treat. If you're listening from around the world... Hopefully you are also able to find coverage of the Paralympics. If I can find any information, it will be in the show notes. Or feel free to just flick me a message over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic and I can try and find the information out for you. I am so excited. We really need to make the most of this coverage here in New Zealand because I worry that if we don't use it, we might lose it, you know? So this is really cool and just so exciting. It all kicks off today, which is the 4th of March, if you're not listening to this on the day that it came out. The 4th of March is when the Winter Paralympics all kicks off. Now, in New Zealand, we're able to watch the opening ceremony in the middle of the night, and it runs until Sunday the 13th of March, or very early in the morning on Monday the 14th of March here in NZ. I will be updating you all in real time over on Instagram and maybe even TikTok. Yeah, I could do that. I could update on TikTok as well. Definitely on social media, at That's So Chronic. And there will also be a recap in the free monthly That's So Chronic newsletter, which you can subscribe to if you want to. The link for that is also in the show notes. As always, it has been absolutely wonderful to be in your ears today, and I'm so stoked that you're here. You listening and supporting this podcast by reviewing, following, sharing, and engaging over on social media, especially the Paralympics content, that is what makes That So Chronic possible. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I'll see you on Tuesday for another interview episode. All the best to all of the athletes representing their countries at the Beijing 2022 Paralympic Winter Games games and I'll see you next week. Bye. Now they're away. New Zealand. Bursting across the line. Wait.